everybody. Welcome back to Uncanny Cinema. We are watching a stop-motion animated film this time around, which I think is our first ever in that specific kind of uh, subgenre. I, I don't think we've ever watched uh, specifically stop-motion. Um, we watched uh, a couple puppet-based movies in the past, and then mm-hmm. these would be technically puppets of a type. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't like... Uh, so we're talking stop motion, like uh, you know, Nightmare Before Christmas, Coraline, that kind of thing, where where all or the bulk of it is presented as stop motion animation. And that movie that we are watching is called Mad God. It is uh, a movie by Phil Tippett and was released in 2021, but it has a uh, lengthy production uh, process, um, production history. So he actually started it in the late 80s. Uh, Phil Tippett is like kind of a master of stop motion animation and special effects, and I'll talk about that as we go along. But uh, so this writer, producer, director started it in the late '80s, um, was working on it kind of as like a passion project on the side, and by the time Jurassic Park came out, which he worked on, he looked at that and said. Well, no one's going to give a fuck about stop-motion animation anymore. <laughs> and so he just put it in the drawer, which is a very sad story. Um, but uh, around the early 2010s, I believe, um, people in his uh, special effects um, company that he works with, um, that he owns, they were starting to encourage him to go do something with it again. Actually, like, continue the film, finish the film. And so with the help of Kickstarter and a lot of people at his studio who were like looking, they were younger people who were looking to get experience on films and they were, you know, working with a master, that kind of thing. They would like work on this on weekends, essentially, to get this done along with the Kickstarter funding. And so there were a few shorts released, um, like shorter segments of this, I think, which actually equaled about half the running time of what the film ended up being. So I think he had like a decent amount of it, um, maybe a good amount made in the 80s, and then he was like working on it into the 2010s, and then finally with the Kickstarter funding and everyone else uh, working on it there at his company, he was able to pull it together um, to have a finished result, and so that did come out in 2021. And yeah, uh, there's probably some other like little background stuff we can go into here and there, but yeah, mostly it's that's the story of this movie is that it, it has a production schedule of, you know, more than 30 years um, and was very much like a passion project for the creator. Um, and then for our cast, uh, well, the cast of the film, there's not really anyone. Um, it's, it's virtually silent. Uh, there's not really any dialogue. Uh, there's a, some like kind of noises and maybe like a couple mumbled lines of dialogue. And there's one character... Uh, which I think is like listed as the last man because this is set in the sort of post-apocalyptic world and there's all kinds of creatures and mutants. But there is one like more identifiable human character that's played by an actual person. And I did catch in the credits that that was Alex Cox, um, which I'm pretty sure is the director Alex Cox. I can dig into that as we go, but I caught that in the credits. So I think that's him because I've seen what he looks like. Anyway, so there's not really like a cast to go into for that like I usually do. Um, but for our cast, we are uh, bringing on some people to look here at Mad God. We have uh, Eric, always a fan of the weird and wonderful. So uh, welcome back, Eric. Hello. Hey. 
Uh, we have Jack joining us, who is a, a huge fan of puppets, stop motion animation, um, unsettling imagery, all kinds of things. So this stop, is her bread and stop butter. Stop the motion. <laughs> hello i'll also say that this was another secret film where i didn't give any information leading into it of uh what it was going to be um so uh, everyone went in cold uh i myself had not seen it either i uh, i didn't know what it was going to be what to expect Uh, i had seen one of those shorts or a clip of those shorts several years ago um and we also have jack's friend colin joining us who um is a big movie fan and is like uh, part of like a movie club he started during the pandemic and Jack was wanting to get him on an episode so I was looking for something out there and interesting and so I settled on Mad God so welcome Colin Hey Linton, can't wait to talk about why everything is so wet <laughs> In the film or the world? like You know it started with the film but now that I've seen it I feel like it's colored how I see everything Yeah uh, and I can confirm, by the way, that the uh, the old man character, the one human character, is Alex Cox, the director. Um, the director who, uh, let me double check. Um, I don't want to give the wrong uh, credits here. But he directed, okay, Repo Man, Sid and Nancy. Uh, what else? What else? A number of other things, but I'm looking for ones that pop out repo man tracks yeah repo man and sid and nancy um and i think eric you might be able to back me up on this wasn't he wasn't he the director on uh american history x and then he like wanted his name taken off or am i mixing him up with someone else oh um no i don't know about that okay let me briefly look that up. I could be mixing them up with a different director. Oh, that was Tony K. All right. Well, my mistake. Anyway, Alex Cox is uh, is the guy who is in this. So, like, the one human character. All right. So, uh, in the words of Homer Simpson, what did everybody think? <laughs> I will say my early notes very early on say in all caps... Is this claymation, Linton, you asshole? That is, I did write that. So there's that. Look, I'm sorry you draw the line at so many filmmaking techniques that you just strike them from the record. Yeah, I mean, I think that while I was watching it, I was watching it through furrowed eyes a lot where it was like, what? But I think getting some distance when it's not actively sort of disturbing me i feel like i like it better the more time goes on um i did enjoy it i would just describe it as a nightmare not only because you had so much nightmarish imagery but a lot of it was just given to you with no context so it was kind of like this or warning yeah dreamlike state you were in the whole movie which i ultimately it was probably my only real criticism of the movie is that there really wasn't enough given and i'm you know, I'm fine with kind of being along for the ride for a while, but I think, you know, you get like even an hour in and I'm still not totally sure what's happening, but it's mm-hmm. still just all creepy and crazy and really cool. So 
I wonder if exposition would make it weaker, though. Like, there's something mysterious and weird about it. Like, the vibes are just immaculate. Yeah, yeah. And it was under 90 minutes. Like, yeah. I think that that kind of works. I think when it started, I was more intrigued than I'd been in a very long time to watch a movie. I was, like, really excited. Nice. I was like, what is this? This looks really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, because, you know, you, you gave it cold. I opened the file. I just started watching it. Yeah. Um, at first, I wasn't sure. It looked like it was from the 80s. That's and then a few minutes in, I was like, wait, is this maybe new? And then yeah. when the Part of the it title was came, from the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> it's at least heavily influenced from the 80s, you can yeah. tell. Um, and when the title came up, I, I had heard of it because they advertised it on Shudder. It was like a big yeah. deal on Shudder recently. I didn't really know anything about it, but I was like, okay, so this is kind of a contemporary thing. And then I just yep, kept going in. But it was... Yeah, I had this episode planned well before Shudder acquired it. So <laughs> you tell him when. Uh, yeah. So for myself, uh, I I liked it a good deal. Uh, I mean, it's it's weird. It's out there. Um, I had not seen it, so I went into it as cold, almost as cold as everyone else. I knew it was stop motion, which Jack did not. Um, <laughs> I knew that it was going to be, you know, kind of unusual, but. The only clip that I saw several years ago was, so there's kind of one central character, which in the credits is called the assassin. And I saw basically like him, like walking through some like tunnels and stuff. And maybe he was like doing a couple things. And I think it was just like a short, maybe even like a trailer for one of the shorter segments. So I, it might've been like a minute or two. I, I, it wasn't like, I didn't get like 15 minutes or anything. So I, all I knew was kind of that rough character, the kind of look of it. Um, it gave me sort of like, um, what's uh, the vibe of, what's that movie? It was called Nine, right? Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. So yeah. that was uh, that was stop motion, right? Or was that animated? And, uh, computer animation, I think. Okay, so yeah. computer animated, but yeah, it kind of had like a stop motion-y look to the characters. Mm -hmm. They were like kind of like doll things. Um, and that's set in like sort of a post-apocalyptic world, and you're following these different numbered characters on a journey. And so it gave me kind of vibes of that. Um but yeah, I mean, what everyone said, it's like, it's, I mean, they're correct. The, they don't hold your hand. They don't spell things out. They, um, the story such that it is, is told through imagery. I'll say it's done. I feel it's done better than a lot of other movies that are just sort of like, we're just going to put things out there and figure it out. Like, I think you can, if, at nothing else, you, if nothing else, you, you know, the assassin has like, some kind of quest because he has a map and he's journeying through these different things. So if nothing else, you have like, all right, there's like a journey aspect to this. And he's going through these kind of like hellish skate, you know, hellscapes. But, uh, I'll, I'll say one thing that helped me that may have helped all of you is I was on the Wikipedia page looking up any information I could. And so once I got to a certain point in the plot, I was just reading the Wikipedia synopsis to see, all right, did I miss anything? And like, so mm -hmm. that was helping because that was either people who've watched it multiple times that are picking up on stuff I wasn't, or people who are just doing their damnedest to guess <laughs> at what they're seeing. But like a lot of the things they were putting was like pretty uh, convincing. So I was like, okay, that's probably what that was trying to convey. They weren't going into like deep metaphoric aspects, but they were just kind of saying like, oh, what this like scene is sort of about. And I'm thinking back, I'm like, Oh, okay, yeah, that's that's likely what was going on there. Um, but again, having only seen it once and going into it cold, you know, I can understand because I 
for all of you, I was in the same position. But in a nutshell, uh, I think it's very interesting. I get why people would not like it. I mean, some critics, it, it's gotten very good critical reviews, um, like for the kind of like art scene that it's played at. I think some critics have criticized it for it, you know, basically having not, their claim of not having a plot. I don't think it doesn't have a plot, but I don't think it has necessarily like a super coherent plot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I get why people would be turned off by that. I get why there's like some stuff where you're like, this is gross. Um, but I will some say, stuff. I will All say, stuff, 100%. <laughs> I think that it's uh pretty fucking masterful as stop motion though i think that's kind of Mm -hmm. undeniable um what they're pulling off and everything so that would be my intro on it and then we can go from there with jack's laundry list of issues (laughs) listen no here's what i want to say i agree that it's like a technical masterpiece like yeah you cannot look at this and not be in awe of the work that went into it and the skill involved in making this. It's amazing. It's very good. It's the opposite of a thing that I ever want to experience. It's like, I make a lot of jokes on the show and I get really like, uh, I exaggerate a lot for fun, you know, and say, oh, I hated this. Oh, this is so stupid. I don't think I've ever disliked anything in my life as much as I've disliked this movie. <laughs> Uh, and that's, I'm absolutely serious. It took me so long to watch this because I had, I watched it in like 10 minute chunks and then just had to like stop. Like wow. I just couldn't, I hate body horror. Body horror is not my thing. And okay. this is Viscera, the movie, body horror, the movie. Like this, I described it to one of my roommates as, okay, you know that scene from Willy Wonka where they're on the boat? And all the stuff yeah, starts the getting real scene. weird and bad. Yeah. <laughs> this is this movie is what that scene has nightmares about. Like this is <laughs> so I can't even describe how <laughs> Colin did nail it on the head in the beginning. He said it's just all wet the whole way through and there's squelching noises. Oh, also, again with the technical stuff, like the sound design is great. Mm-hmm. Uh like just technical aspect awards, awards all over the place. I would rather set myself on fire than watch this ever again in my life. I hated, 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 hated it. We we have we have reached a new nadir with Jack. I'm uh, for real. I'm, I'm quite I proud of myself here. Was like nearly ill watching this movie. I am so, and I kept thinking, thank God, poor precious Jess is not on this episode. Well, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> like like I said, died. I I didn't know where it was going. You know, like what was going to be in it. But I will say, I knew it was going to be dark just based on the imagery, the little bit of imagery I'd seen. It's called Mad God. I knew it was going to, like, slant into horror. And I know you like horror. And we just did an episode on Midsummer, which is fucking dark. I mean, like, it's bright as fuck. But, I mean, the actual, like, content is dark. So it didn't even cross my mind. I, I knew the... You have your stop motion thing that you've talked about. But it (laughs) didn't even cross my mind that, like, that that this would have content in it that you would be like repelled by repelled is a good word it was it was and i actually and there is some gross shit there for sure it's like there's some some stuff yeah yeah there's some stuff where it's like it's like okay phil tippett you're definitely a master at what you're doing but why are you doing this? Yes, <laughs> like, well, yes, like this, yes. this part, right? Here. Yeah, there's some choices I, in there. Yeah, so many choices, <laughs> so many choices. But like, 
you keep saying there's some stuff. No, the whole thing. There were, I wrote down, uh, I think, two moments where I was like, oh, I actually relaxed for an entire second, and it was a mistake. Mm -hmm. Like, it was, I was like, oh, this isn't so bad. And then all of a sudden, something's in your face, and I'm like, well, now I want to die again. Uh, But again, masterful. I mean, just like, so talented. I just can't stand the art type at all yeah but the masterful visuals definitely it's like what are you doing with them like (laughs) yeah is it certainly it's the most realistic elephant monster that's shitting on its boob (laughs) (laughs) but like maybe that's not award they're called breasticles (laughs) god the images that are now in my head like i didn't even know you could do that i didn't even know you could have a person who is mostly pimples uh, just walking around and like we see their face real real close and it's hairy and somehow a butt at the same time that it's a face and like we watch it for so long there's so there's there's a lot of long so there's some guess... uh ren and stimpy-esque like close-ups where it's just <laughs> yes. like the most Perfect. horrifying like yeah Perfect and they just sit you that. on that image for a while and Ugh. it's like yeah i bet it took a long time to make that puppet but you know you can just have it in and out of the scene <laughs> And I I looked up nothing about this as I was watching it. Well, at the very beginning, I looked up when it was made. I was shocked that it was 2021 because it feels so 80s in the beginning. So that does explain. Thank you at the beginning for explaining that. But I looked up nothing because I knew probably you guys were going to. And I was like, I hated this. I'm hoping no one else hated it. I hope I'm the only (laughs) like real dissenting hate voice. Because you love that. Because I wanted to hear. I do. I wanted to hear organically like things that I should have noticed or should have picked up on, like, instead of just wanting to curl up. Oh, did I mention I watched it at 1.5 speed and still was like, couldn't get through it fast enough? Like, it was so uncomfortable. Well, Jack, that's uh, a very interesting point of view. Um, no, I mean, I, I'm surprised somewhat. I mean, again, I, I didn't I didn't pre-screen this, so I didn't know what to expect for myself. Um, I'm surprised a little bit, like I said, of because I was like, I don't really think twice in terms of horror stuff with you. I mean, there's some really out there horror stuff that's like that I don't even enjoy watching. Um, you know, like like Audition is a famous horror movie that a lot of people love, and it's like I've seen it. I don't enjoy it. <laughs> it's like you know, it's like it's just an unsettling, you know, kind of movie. It does its job, um, but yeah, I, uh, I you, you made a comment in like a Facebook uh, message we had going where I think you said like you were 10 minutes in and had so many things to say. And I was like, Uh okay, all right. And I hadn't watched it yet actually at that point. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then maybe like another 10 minutes go by or something. And you said, okay, I'm going to stop watching this movie while I'm eating. And Colin said, good call. Um, And so I was like, all right. And so when I went into it, I was like keeping that in mind and like, yeah, there's some real gross stuff in here. Um, and in a in a sense where it's like it definitely goes over the top to a point where even if you want to show this kind of nightmare horrific world and we can get into some of the specifics of like like why this choice why or or why why this we got this early why do we do something similar to it like there's a lot of scatological stuff like the like so much like thing creatures being like chopped up and eaten and stuff it's like to me that's like whatever i mean like we're in a, like a horror nightmare world it's like fine but yeah you start to get into like scatological stuff it's like i'm not saying you can't do it but 
that's that's going to turn your audience off for other reasons that's not violence based and yeah. we're i'd say we're more desensitized to violence yeah. in in like movies and horror and stuff yeah. so i don't know so there was a lot coming back to like scatological aspects that were a little surprising but before we go any further uh i do want to throw out uh because jack brought up a good point here for herself where she was saying like that she um went into this like totally cold and even after having watched it she didn't look anything up um she figured we would and she said she hated this so she didn't want to know she didn't and, and that's fine because that that sets the stage for this little bit of information so phil Tippett, i mentioned this was a passion project of his that he worked on this since the late 80s i mean took a huge gap you know for a couple decades and then came back to it but phil Tippett, in case you don't know is a pretty major figure in film uh special effects specifically stop motion i mean i would say he arguably could be considered up there with like stan winston for stan winston special effects and rick baker who's a very famous makeup artist tons of movies you watch in the 80s and 90s were rick baker makeup um and there's other great guys but phil tippett is like highly up there and so here is some of phil tippett's um resume this isn't everything but i pulled like select things that he worked on so he did stop motion work for the original star wars that's basically where his career started uh he did i i believe it was the uh i mean he probably did some other stuff but the the chess game i think he oversaw that um because he's the star wars christmas special one too then uh he wasn't listed as that but i he could have been i'm not sure i i may have been looking only at films so that would have probably been listed under tv so i don't know yeah, true um but so he did that, that wookie porn that they were watching kind of feels <laughs> like maybe he did it yeah yeah, yeah. um all right flavor. so he did uh original star wars and then he pioneered a method called go motion in empire strikes back so stop motion we all know is you know okay little clay puppets or whatever and we're taking like a frame at a time or tiny you know frames and like moving them incrementally well the problem with stop motion as most of us know is it even though it's really cool if you're trying to pair it with live action stuff it pops out as like oh that's not real um you know it draws too much attention to itself so he pioneered go motion which is what they actually used in empire strikes back I think it was largely used on um, what are the fucking things they ride called in the snow on Hoth? Speeders? No, no, no the animals. The animals. Um, oh, the tauntauns. Tauntauns. So I, I know he used it on the tauntauns. He may have used it on the ATATs and ATSTs, but those can move more robotic, so he probably didn't. But I know because I, I've I've watched some stuff on this, but the tauntauns I know he used it on. And basically, what they would do is they created motion blur in stop motion so they would do the same kind of thing with stop motion where they would take like a frame of camera but then they would like bump the the image or bump bump hmm. the puppet and take like a frame of that and so what happened is like when the tauntauns like moving the idea was it would look more like an actual moving creature compared to standard stop motion and so it Prior to CGI, movies that were doing stop motion started to use go motion. So I think, like, I think the Rancor utilized, like, the same kind of uh, tactics mm. and some other things. Anyway, so he pioneered uh, go motion. Uh, he, he worked on Return of the Jedi. He worked on Temple of Doom. He worked on RoboCop, creating Ed 209, the uh, stop motion, go motion robot that, you know, he, uh, RoboCop has to fight. He worked on Willow. 
He worked on Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, Starship Troopers. He's had like a hand in some of the more recent Jurassic World movies. He worked on some of the Twilight movies doing something. I, I mean, he's, he's not doing stop. Like he just does special effects work, okay. you know, one stop motion kind of like, you know, was on the way out. And then he worked on The Force Awakens, um, and uh, I saw specifically for that he oversaw the chess game sequence because if you remember in The Force Awakens, like oh, Finn yeah. like bumps the table or something, and then yep. the chess. So I think uh, Abrams went back to him. So it's like, hey, you did the original, so why don't you uh, do this thing? So he's had like a significant career in film, and then the one uh, little tidbit is uh, I'll just throw this out. This is straight. Um, from uh, wiki when tippet was told that jurassic park dinosaurs so he worked on jurassic park and when tippet was told that jurassic park dinosaurs would be computer generated they were originally going to be stop motion um he was shocked exclaiming quote i've just become extinct a line spielberg borrows and uses in the movie huh? uh, far from being extinct tippet evolved as stop motion animation gave way to computer generated imagery or cgi because of Tippett's background and understanding of animal movement and behavior, Spielberg kept Tippett on to supervise the animation on 50 dinosaur shots for Jurassic Park. Tippett su- supervised both the Tippett Studio and ILM animators, resulting in realistic digital dinosaurs that breathe, flex, twitch, and react. His effort earned him a second Oscar. So, yeah, Tippett, uh, if you look into stuff on Jurassic Park, originally they were going to do stop-motion dinosaurs merged with the uh lie you know the the robotic stan winston ones so anytime we see cgi in jurassic park it would have originally been stop motion that was the idea thank god it wasn't uh, and i don't mean that because of my you know hatred of claymation i do not think that would have held up in the same way no but you have to remember in 1993 like that using cgi was an insane prospect mm, um like totally. there's you know like the best CGI at that point was T2, which is great, but it's like Melty Man. Like, that's not yeah, a exactly. living, breathing dinosaur. And so yeah. nobody on that production, nobody thought that CGI was a viable thing, including Spielberg. And there's – I've seen – I don't know if I watched some documentary. Maybe it was on Shudder or something, but I saw it some time ago. But it was basically like these two, like, pretty young dudes who were um, involved in the special effects side, but they were not, like, major players – but they were young and interested in the possibilities for CGI. They kind of saw that as like, oh, this is where this is where things are going to go. They on the side just started making up like renderings of dinosaurs, like just ah. without anyone knowing. Like they weren't supposed to be doing it, and if they were caught, they were probably going to be fired. Um, but like they were on camera, both of them talking about the process of it until they got something that was like worth showing. And then they got, mm. like, Spielberg and Kathleen Kennedy and a few other people, and they – or maybe they talked to their higher-up or whatever. But basically, it eventually gets to Spielberg, Kathleen Kennedy, and Frank Marshall and whoever. And they watch it, and they're like, holy shit, this could work. Mm. And, like, so it changed Spielberg's mind from these, like, young dudes who were just into mm. it. And But, yeah, up to that point, stop motion was going to be the way they were going to do it. So, we, I mean, when you think stop motion, it would have been like Star Wars. It had been like how the Rancor looked, but – 10 years later right but we don't hate the rancor no but that's because you could put the rancor in this movie tell you right now (laughs) fit right in it's it's you don't hate the rancor because you've watched that movie knowing it's from the 70s and it's like you get to pass i don't think i just don't think it would have worked as well but maybe maybe i I will say i love 
that we have shifted to talking about good movies instead of this, this movie. This is great. Let's just keep this going. This is a good film. Um, but, uh, yeah, so anyway, the but then the line that uh, Spielberg pulled with Ian Malcolm talking to Alan Grant where he's like, uh, um, I think we're all out of a job, and don't you mean extinct? So he uh, pulled that from Phil Tippett, as I mentioned there. But, yeah, so Tippett's gone beyond stop motion and has had a hand in other types of special effects work. So that's just my little background information on all the stuff with Tippett. Um, so he is a, a pretty major player as far as special effects goes. From there, I open the floor again. We can go into any aspect you want. Okay, actually, I'd like to talk about the thing you were just saying about, you know, Tippett worked on this over a lot of years, and, like, he would get people to come collaborate with him over a long period of time. Can you imagine working with somebody in like a workplace context and they're like hey you want to come work on this thing i'm doing and it's like yeah and then you go and it's this <laughs> you know it's like a plague doctor carrying a like hairy screaming baby that gets a turned into a worm universe baby. worm baby yes Ugh. gives it to some like bird mask uh dangly bone hat weird thing that's like well that's the plague doctor Oh, okay, that's I yeah. didn't know that was the name of it. Yeah, that yeah. was the one thing I like. I did actually really like the Plague Doctor. I wrote that down. I was like, oh, I can get behind this character. This I think that was a really interesting character. It was the like basically only character in the movie that isn't uh, viscerally disgusting. So I was like, oh, this is nice. Ah, oh, good. It's not it just wolf. it just bodes <laughs> viscerally disgusting things yeah, by yeah, nature yeah, of being a Plague Doctor. Yeah, that's fine. I will say, Colin. I feel like it's really um, the. Sorry, oh, no. just on your point, I will say that animators and I, this I know like cartoon animators. This tends to be uh, the kind of like in joke, but I, it probably extends to stop motion animators. Like, often are like kind of like weird out there and borderline sleazy dudes. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm not saying there's anything like wrong with them, but they're known for like. Like, you think of, like, oh, animators working on, like, kids' movies, but that's why a lot of times, like, they'll have stuff where they're, like, sneaking in jokes and that kind of shit because, I don't know, they just spend a lot of time alone in a room staring at cartoons. <laughs> so, what I'm getting at is those people probably didn't bat an eye. They were probably just like, cool, this is some weird shit, I'm in. Colin, I would love if you would give us a rundown of the basic plot of this movie just because okay. I want you to have a challenge on your first episode. Sure. So, okay. So he goes down the diving bell, right? And there is like a lot of World War II stuff going on. Later it'll be 80s, but right now it's World War II. <laughs> um, and so he goes down and he goes down through all the layers that are like the floor between the Simpsons house where there's like boxes <laughs> and stuff. He goes um, down a long way. Like He does. And then he gets to the he bottom and he keeps way. going down like the it's so confusing. doors and stuff. And it's like... Yeah. Yep. There's a Halloween fun house when he gets down there of like, you know, like it looks like Kevin McAllister's thing at Home Alone where there's like people gesturing and etc. Uh, and that's when the kind of things start to get wet and there's a lot of monkey sounds. Yes. Um, and then he goes to a row of shocked people that are a battery. He gets down to the bottom and there's the suitcases. Now, I'd actually love to talk about suitcase land with everybody because <laughs> he's got a bomb and it's clear that there's been hundreds of assassins before. Um, and he goes to set it off and it just doesn't go off. He gets dragged off by a monster. Um, what do we think is happening here? Why doesn't the bomb work? Why didn't all the other bombs work? That's a great question. I don't know. I mean, I know this 
the movie kind of ties time as a theme back in at the end mm-hmm. i think <laughs> um, well, there's a there's a cyclical nature to it of that we're kind of watching like a a, a repeating nightmare um but i will yeah. say before everything you mentioned we the the very first shot i think is just gorgeous yeah um you mm-hmm. see this yeah. tower which i believe is supposed to be the tower of babel based on the mm-hmm. look of it um and the net the thing that follows after it you see this tower and you see like uh, a red sun behind it and then lightning and clouds start to sweep in and then like it's just kind of implied destruction and then there is a passage from leviticus i believe mm-hmm. which is basically god just saying i'm gonna fuck you all up um <laughs> in a bunch of different passages um which i was as i was reading i was like is this legit bible or is he writing it to sound like the bible and then it gets the end as leviticus is like all right that's god um but <laughs> it my interpretation from the opening just the opening before anything else happened was almost like what we're watching and the movie's called mad god which the tower of babel god destroys the tower of babel because uh one of you Christians will fill me out on this, but but basically that uh, everybody had different languages and it was confusing everything. And so God's like, no, we can't do that anymore. And got not pissed quite, off. Not quite. Okay. Something like that. You tell me in a minute. But uh, anyway, it, it came from the anger of God. The movie is called Mad God. It felt like this movie was starting from a place almost like a, like a, a different world from the point of the tower of babel like it like our world did not come about because of the tower of babel this world came about that's that was almost the impression that i got from that opening i mean that's just me trying to connect dots um the dots are few and far between so it's connecting them is <laughs> takes some work all right so what what, what what was god's beef jack what, what did he do uh, nutshell is that uh, humans are supposed to spread out and, like, populate the whole earth. Yeah. And they're like, nah, we're just going to hang out right here and build this cool tower. And so God was like, guys, and then made everyone have different languages. Oh, that's and they're right. Like, well, now right. we can't work together and then spread out. Yes. And wasn't the tower, like, it was going to the heavens or something? Like, and that was challenging God or something? That sounds right. Okay. I didn't think of it as Tower of Babel, partially because, like, yeah, like Leviticus and the Tower of Babel are pretty far chronologically, but it's like to me it looks like a ziggurat, you know? Uh, I don't. Like sort of a, yeah, like sort of like a non, like a pyramid, but like a sort of non-Egyptian pyramid, uh-huh. right? Like it's like, okay, but basically like a pagan tower, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so yeah, instead of it being you know an explicit story from the Bible, more like that it's like this whole thing is sort of in a more pagany cultish context which feels right uh for like there's monsters and sacrifice going on all over the place human sacrifice it's wild this movie is wild jack do you want to do you want to pick up the plot from where colin was at can't okay that basically where colin got to i was calling the end of part one um because like the assassin tries to set off the bomb and it kind of like it's ticking and gets to the like the next tick is going to be 12 and it just won't go it just kind of freezes and then we go to this is like almost 30 minutes into the movie and you switch to a movie theater 
and there's an audience and they're like laughing and clapping as uh behind the screen there it's like silhouettes i think somebody's skin is getting removed and everyone's like this is great i love this uh and then it's uh, it felt like mst3k it did a little bit <laughs> like tom servo could be there watching that guy be flayed or whatever yeah, it was bizarre and then you flip around and you see kind of what's happening and there's Whoa, this is, I think, the first time you're seeing, like, humans, like, um, people who aren't claymation. It's like, a, it's like a nurse and doctor situation, and they just kind of rip this person open and then just start double fist scooping out their innards and dropping them on the floor, and it's, like, full of jewels and coins and stuff. Uh, and they're just but also, the but also uh, organs and yeah. blood. Yeah, yeah, don't forget the they're organs, there too. of course. <laughs> yeah. And it goes on, you guys... It goes on and on. Like, it is absurd how long we're watching this happen. It's, It felt like five straight minutes, but it was probably more like two straight minutes. It was a long time, and I hated it. But then they they pull out this giant bug who cries like a real baby. This is, I think they have real baby recordings. Um, and it's, yeah, a bug worm thing, and you get a lot of close-ups of its screaming face that is like a... I don't know, dune worm face, except wetter and grosser. And it's got like uh, it's got teeth, like full yeah. human, like thirty-two human yeah, teeth, right, like like did. false teeth looking, like stuck in its <laughs> mouth. Because of course it does. Uh, and then uh, the nurse goes, takes the baby away, and walks for twenty million miles down weird hallways and gives it to the plague doctor, like we mentioned. And, like, you kind of are flipping oh, back and forth between the weird worm baby plot line and then the plot line where the, the person they just took all the innards and baby from, they drill a hole in their head and, like, I don't know, stick a camera in there. And they're like, let's watch your memories, I think, because it goes staticky. And then yeah. you're watching a different thing happen. Uh, and there's some weird guy. This is who you were saying was the director, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, a real person in some sort of building and there's i think some sort of very, very howard outside. hughes uh, fingernails going on very. Yeah. oh yeah fingernails yeah. and toenails they make it very clear that those are super long so it's like okay this person's been up here for a while uh he puts on some clothes we get to watch him do a little dress up which is just grand uh, hey that's a reprieve he... jack you'd be happy if yeah. you sure got it was. that do you know how weird it is to be relieved? Finally, see... a naked old man. <laughs> it's like, what is... He Where could have been, he could have been on, putting life. on a coat of faces. You don't know. <laughs> uh, uh, so then he goes and uh, to a different room, and he looks under the table, and there's like these horrifying creatures sewing. I think my, I wrote down that it reminded me of the Fates, because they would like get real close in on this... Uh, one eye that one of them had and it was disgusting and like one of them decides uh, to just lash their tongue out just because yeah oh yeah no other just reason. why not just throw that in there uh and they're sewing I, it looks like a map made of skin yeah like you do uh and then he takes it and um gives it to a guy and puts him in that same what did you call it there's a word diving bell. diving bell thank you uh, puts him in the diving bell and sends him down. You're like, are we seeing the beginning? Is this a different guy? Um, so yeah, again, it's... I I initially was thinking it's the same guy because it would make so sense that it's like his memories. But Wikipedia was saying 
the, the you know the write up on that the belief was that this is a different person and so it's basically mm-hmm. just like another because you see tons of these assassins tons. they all look the same yep. and yeah. they're like presented as basically dis, uh, disposable so um, I think the idea and then if you follow this guy's journey it doesn't really line up with what we saw because we Not saw much. the beginning of our first guy's journey when he gets out yeah. so I think yeah. what we're I think what you have to jump to is that they somehow like when they drilled the hole in the guy's head, they were somehow able to like, kind of like get a look into the, you know, assassin headquarters somehow, you know, Mm -hmm. or something. It's, it's very strange. And then he gets down there and just like the first guy, you get a great journey through the apocalyptic wasteland. That's full of horrifying monsters, destroying each other uh so many appendages all appendages that you can imagine they're all there so many of them so much goo being drained by every everyone <laughs> so much before it gets their goo drained <laughs> <laughs> oh no fun oh. for the whole family <laughs> what, going back to that it, the first journey when you see like the guys that are being like electroshocked and oh yeah they're in chairs and it looks guys. like yeah it looks like they're just shitting below the chair so it doesn't it doesn't about... look like they are it, they are well but then like at first i was like oh they're they're just shitting their pants because they're being shocked but then like as the scene keeps going it's like you know you, it pans over and there's like so much of it and it's like white and i was like well maybe it isn't shit but then what the fuck is it it's just <laughs> goo they just drain the goo out of everything it's all just (laughs) what that moment i have to say like there's a lot of stuff that happens before that moment a lot but by the way we'll we'll come back to this but i have a list that i just called weird shit and uh, we're (laughs) going to address various ones it's the whole movie all you did was write down the movie there's particular highlights or low lights depending on uh point of view but like this is the point in the movie when you see these people getting electrocuted they're just nonstop shitting constantly and then the next thing you see as this guy keeps descending is that it's all being funneled down and there's this giant again disgusting creature who's just eating it it's just like the funnel's just going directly to his mouth he's like ah, rah, rah, and it's like great okay so it's this movie this is the movie this is what we're here for This it like so... changes your opinion in that moment of like oh Oh, this is when Jack was eating soup or something. Um, (laughs) So uh, a slight, slight addition to that. So, yes, it is fed into the mouth of what I believe is a cyborg because it has like a a humanoid face. But then like the rest of its body has like a robotic kind of structure. But then it doesn't stop it feeding into its mouth. The 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 uh, tilt down continues. And it's like the cyborg is like connected to other machinery. And so I think the idea is that it's fed into it in a human centipede-esque way and it keeps on going into these other areas and then the next thing we see is these little like humanoid looking creatures so i think what those like humanoid like lump the ones that just kind of wander around and get like trampled all the time i think those are like every way imaginable i think they're like shit golems like I think that's I wow. think I yes. think all of that is being done to create these kind of like homunculi. Um, so that was my interpretation. Of they look yeah. like they're made of burlap. Like it's weird. They just well, they're like brownish, and there's like yeah. and there's like I don't know, there's like 
hair or fur and dirt. Yeah. And so I think it's just kind of like stuff mashed together. Yeah. I feel like they look like pocket lint. <laughs> they do. Yeah. Like, yes. It's like you made a creepy doll. They also, they reminded me of the putties from Power Rangers. <laughs> they have, because they come out of a little mold. Yes. And they're very dumb. Yes. That's what I consistently called them in my notes. That's like, good. There's all these notes that are like, these putties are not being treated well. <laughs> Rights, justice for putties. Rights for putties. All right. Well, so they're, they're, since we're... Gonna, yeah. Oh, go ahead, Eric. I was just saying there's like a moment, because um, when you see them being created, then you just get this montage of all being just dispatched very easily. Most of them while they're supposedly doing their job. And that's just, yep. you know, these other creatures just come and sit on them or whatever. Um, and then... Our, our assassin's like watching all this unfold and he goes like under a trap door to like get away yeah. and one of them wanders near him and it looks like he might like take one with him as as help or something and i'm thinking the whole time like no don't take one of those with you they're useless it's just gonna like <laughs> some guy like, yeah what a, there's a shot of them just like walking into like a pit of fire like oh just, yeah like, the, the oh, suicide yeah, like, hole yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what i called it Uh, well, all right. Well, so talking about we're... that shock moment. Okay. Oh, no, no, go. Talking about the shock moment, I think that there is something really cool about that moment because you see the the electric chair boys, right? Mm-hmm. And then they look like normal size, and then he's walking under mm-hmm. them, and it's clear that they're hundreds of feet tall. Yeah. There's lots of moments like that in this where the scale kind of becomes apparent over time and it is incredible it's true um just to kind of zoom out and see it and i think that that and the music Mm -hmm. are what make some of these moments that would otherwise just be like weird scatological art film (laughs) kind of feel like a cohesive piece yeah Yeah. it's true so uh since we're in this area let's uh let's talk about the weird shit so the the specifics i have a big list but i don't want to like take everybody's stuff so uh so throughout the ones and we can talk about specific moments of like how we were affected by basically what we just did with those um so other ones that uh, were kind of like oh god like threw us off or ones that we thought were like oh that's weird but very cool um Um, (laughs) one that comes to mind it's pretty early on before you've fully kind of gotten into the movie it's and you, you you know he gets you know opening shot is so cool it's just like this diving bell coming down mm-hmm. cannons are firing at it and it's just that this figure inside of it that's got this like world war one gas mask on and everything looks really cool and then he starts going around and then all of a sudden there's these like tiny little gnomes on the ground like, oh, yeah. arguing oh, yeah. with each other mm-hmm. and he just like steps on them like nothing and it's it seems like it's intended to be a little humorous I, there's a few moments that seem like they're intended to be a little whimsical in the movie that end up being the weirdest of all because it just seems out of place <laughs> but that was one where i was just like i thought i had what the movie was going for and then that happened i was like okay what what is, is this really yeah my note was r.i.p david the gnome yeah because they very much look like david the gnome very much the old show yeah i i my interpretation of that was kind of like that they were just like bugs like that this mm. world just viewed them as just like bugs and just like I don't think that the uh, assassin was like going out of his way to step on them. I think it was just showing yeah. indifference. Like he yeah. probably doesn't even see they're there just the way we wouldn't see like an ant under our foot. <laughs> I'm just reading my notes to try and find some of these things. And it's just, 
uh, it looks like the ravings of a mad person. Uh, it's, um, I wrote now many skulls fire people being electrocuted they are shitting non-stop i guess like that's just as i'm as it's happening yeah you're on a watch list down. now <laughs> yeah yep i've got a note that just says earwax baby is here <laughs> Um, I think it's towards the end with the plague doctor. Oh, was it when but... is the I, I had rotting baby saying mama? Where, oh god, yeah. yep. it was like a uh, yellow, yellowish baby. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yep. And and like it does nothing for the plot. I mean, not that nope. we address. There's not a whole lot of nope. plot, but like it comes into it, and it's just like it's just a rando side character, and then just the the plague doctor ignores it, and then we move on. Shortly after that, I also have a note that says shovel shit or get shocked. Those are the rules of Gnome Town. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that seems weird because it looks like they're just fighting each other for no reason. And, the, and then it looks yeah. like they're fighting each other for his entertainment. And then you realize that he's telling him to get back to work. And they start shoveling shit and then fart, fighting again. And he, one of them pokes the other in the eye and it's just yeah. like... Uh, and it like I, splashes onto the camera. Which I think yeah. is like... <laughs> part of the cyclical thing like that it'll yeah. just that will repeat um because see like part of it for me because we're talking about this not having a whole lot of plot um but uh, or, or a lot a lot of like discernible plot but it it's called mad god it starts with something that could be tower of babel but if nothing else has a bible passage about god fucking people up so it's giving this religious kind of iconography from the beginning um so yeah, so we uh, the movie opens with all that religious iconography, and the thing that struck me as I was watching it was um, I'm wondering if part of Tippett's inspiration is that he is making a movie that's essentially Dante's Inferno, because I've read the Inferno, and it's an interesting and good book. I've only read it once, but it's you know I enjoyed it, especially considering that it's like five six hundred years old. So there's no guarantee that I would. Um, but it's like the imagery in that is haunting and horrifying and much of the inferno is i mean or basically all of the inferno is like a character descending into the depths of hell and they just come across it's it's episodic they just come across oh well th this group of people is punished in this heinous way and then this group of people in this heinous way and so it's like a lot of that where it's like there's scenes of torture and murder and there's scatological stuff in the inferno um he was like rivers of shit and stuff um so i'm wondering if he's pulling from the inferno especially since we have a character literally descending into this space multiple characters descending into this space and it's a very nightmarish world um so anyway that was my take on it has anyone else read the inferno yes no. okay yep. eric concur uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that was in my mind from the beginning of like, yeah, just the literal dis descending into what seems to very much be like hell. Um, it's a little less, I guess Dante is, you know, there's a little more structure to it because he's, the character has a guide and they're yeah. taking and they talk about piece. like why, yeah. the, <laughs> why the sinners are right. doing what they're doing. And this is just kind of like more chaotic and random. He's not really like going to specific. You know, Film a specific is a visual mission, medium, but... Jack. <laughs> show don't tell um all right but anyway so i was gonna throw that out there but we've got some more weird shit to uh to put out uh so i'm gonna throw out some more and then uh you know whatever else we have from people 
Um, we've got torso full of treasure and worm baby, so we established that one. Yep. Um, we have what I did in all caps, Electro Squid. Um, <laughs> near the end, we get some kind of squid creature that's like reddish. We see multiple ones, and then they start jabbing at those homunculi and just, just oh, the blow virus. them up or something. Yeah. Yeah, the phage. There's like a, there's yeah. like a phage thing. The squid thing? It's yeah, like a, it's, it's like a, uh, what a virus looks like under. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's like a specific okay. virus shape. That yeah. the, the red gooey thing that was descending on the the sort yeah. of second of the war torn cities. Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, I didn't. Yeah, I, I I thought it looked squid like, but yeah, if it, maybe it's referencing it does. something. You're else. not yeah, wrong. No, you're great. Okay. I think that I think it actually matches your your inferno theory because it's like, you know, the inferno is about personal morality and how it moves through history, right? But it's like this seemed to be about warfare to me and it's like the levels it's like it's there's violence and there's viscera and there's torture and there's infanticide and then the final level is that it is cyclical right that it keeps happening over and over again Mm -hmm. um and yeah it's like you could see how the sort of progressive nature of how fully the warfare uh just turns everything into junk and turns everybody into monsters you know it seemed like what it was like sort of trying to get at to me and so the phages are like germ warfare right like Mm -hmm. the the line that we said we wouldn't cross anymore like you know Mm -hmm. using technology to do even more grievous harm to other humans uh yeah a couple others uh so baby juice uh, mm-hmm. exclamation mark that's with yep. my note and my name for this episode uh, baby <laughs> juice um, is when they take that worm baby and then, uh, it's been carried for like half the movie by the plague doctor and then they take it to the medicine man or whatever the guy is and then he puts it in a press and squeezes out all the juice and then that uh, <laughs> that, that creates a, a bar of gold that they then turn into like he he mashes that down into some sparkly jewels and shit, and then the plague doctor recreates a universe where all this happens again. Um, that's essentially the end of everything. Um, but a couple other choice moments that I'm sure Jack enjoyed. Oh. Um, at one point, our uh, I think it's our second uh, assassin character. Um, I think it's the second. Goes by what I think is the <laughs> this world's version of the red light district. And yeah. we get uh, we get big-breasted bird women jerking off a minotaur. Yep. So uh, we have that moment, and then one that happens way early in the movie, within uh, the first ten minutes, yes, which I, that which, I'm, me. which I'm sure like was painting Jack's viewing of this whole film. So our assassin guy gets into some room. I think this is in the same space where the. People oh, are God. being electrocuted. Oh, I blocked this out. I blocked this out. So these people are being electrocuted forever. So one of the things that you see is like there's an orangutan looking thing strapped to a table, and it seems like it's going to be experimented on or something. And then like a door closes, and then we get like a shot of like skulls and stuff. So it kind of implies like oh, other orangutans that have been killed or whatever. I don't. Know. So you get some like dark, creepy imagery, but there's also some like people and creatures or mutants or whatever and creatures in cages. And they're like, I don't know, talking or eating or whatever. Um, you don't pay much attention. The, the character doesn't. But then in one of the cages, there is a female puppet, like a, like a marionette style puppet, like, like wooden puppet. Like it's like clearly that's what it's supposed to look like. A marionette, female puppet, covered in filth, 
masturbating and i put that's another one for jack's bucket list right there uh, she uh she got to see that because of this podcast true story i wrote down oh my god i can't believe this is colin's first movie that moment i was like in my brain i'm so sorry colin like that that moment right there not only is it like masturbating, but then it looks at the assassin and then just like grabs its breasts. I think, yes. <laughs> like in a sensual way. Like so, it's, it's yeah, awful. It's it wasn't enough just to show it like rubbing its own crotch. It had to like do another thing, and that's like it's just the kind of extra mile that this movie always goes <laughs> to like, yeah. like creep you out, gross effort. you out. Yeah. I feel Incidentally, like in case you hadn't noticed, I am wearing a sick, sad world shirt sure of Daria. Uh, that I felt was apt for uh, for this episode. I feel like if you cut about three or four minutes from this movie, it would be so much more watchable. It'd like, be on Disney+. Really... Plus. Yeah, <laughs> like there's just a couple minutes that are just fully unacceptable, like especially yep. the surgeon stuff. Yep. Yeah, like you could just kind of go through and take out a couple things and then maybe my wife could watch it, but Listen, not this now. Movie, this is what happened. This is... What's the guy, Phil Tippett? Phil Tippett yeah. is who Sid from Toy Story would grow up to be if they had never <laughs> intervened. If they just let him keep going with his life, this is what he would come up with. A brilliant animator, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Here, here's the thing. Uh, so I, 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 feel that, I feel there's a specific dividing line on this podcast right now of those who this is possibly the most disturbing film they've ever seen. And then there's Eric and I, where like, <laughs> like this yay! doesn't even like register. I don't but, like Eric. Like we've both seen stuff more disturbed. Like this is out there, but I would say oh, we've I mean, both seen. I mean, especially since yeah, it's puppets. Yeah. Like like I we've think, seen shit with thing, humans. Like, in it. Here's the thing, and that's like, and to give this movie more credit for being disturbing is like a lot of these scenes that are happening to puppets are like just as bad as ones where stuff would be happening to like human actors in movies where looks like it's happening to a human like that's just how good and effective the animation is like that that kind of torture scene when he wakes up on like the operating table from the beginning of that to when they just basically like tear his body apart is uh, you know it's happening to a little puppet but it's like it it's and he's alive during it and yeah yeah his eye moving and one little eye just like moving around and yeah it's just and you don't know what's going to happen because like for all we know this is our protagonist we don't and but who knows what directions the movie could take at that point? And like, with, but with like animation and claymation and things like that, you can really go some places that you can't go with human actors, which I think is what makes this worse for me because they're just like pushing every envelope all the way, uh, and it happens every single second, every single frame of this movie. Like, I get what you're saying, and there's, like, you. it's very easy to argue that things like, I cannot remember the name of it. What's the movie we just watched? Uh, Midsommar? Midsommar. It's easy to argue that things like Midsommar are way more disturbing uh, and, like, more horrifying things happen in that movie, but that doesn't bother me nearly as much. Also, side note, Midsommar is, like, beautiful. They do a lot of, like, the even though it's horrible it's also visually appealing and this is the opposite of that it's visually unappealing i mean it's still impressive in its way but i think that's that's why this bothers me more 
and body horror in general, as I've mentioned, just not my jam at all. And this is just in your face constantly. All the body horror in every possible scenario and position. And it's just like all here. All right. So uh, so that's some weird stuff. We, we covered that. Weird shit, rather. Um, what about things that we liked that popped out? Could be, you know, based. Obviously, there's not going to be like dialogue because there isn't any. We don't have a whole lot as far as, like, characters. We get kind of, like, sketchy outlines and, um, you know, archetypes and that kind of thing. But I'd say most of what we're going to talk about on this would be visuals, would be interesting ideas, interesting concepts. We may have touched on some, but anything else that's hanging out there that we're like, oh, wow, that was, like, just super impressive. I feel like without the music, it's a bad movie. Okay, Um, that it's like it makes a choice to do a kind of orchestral thing um that it's like it feels it doesn't feel that filmic you know like it feels more like yeah like a kind of classical pieces happening in the background and i think it makes it really work like i think that it makes it kind of takes the at least for me it took the harsh off some of the complete horror going on it felt like it gave it kind of a dramatic movement that dialogue would have otherwise given it i think that without the music this is either an art film that no one would watch or yeah just something that is like just for the sake of gross out i think it elevates it to to have that in there agreed other stuff Jack, all the things that you liked? (laughs) I've already mentioned I did like The Plague Doctor. Uh, I thought that was a welcome change uh, in visual style and movement style because uh, The Plague Doctor just floats and very smoothly rolls almost from... And it has like flowing, like, like, uh, like wispy, like tenderly, like, I mean, they're not, it's not animalistic. It's like, it's like part of his like cape or something. Yeah, um, but it looks it's super cool. Cape. It does. It's. I thought that was actually uh, a very beautiful visual. Um, so that was nice. <laughs> uh, there's also at one point a huge pop of color. Yes. Uh, a character oh, I've been yeah. calling the Walking Pimples. Uh, mm. Towards the end, like has this terrarium that they go and feed, yeah. and it's like super colorful in there. It reminded me of. Uh, like Tomatoa's lair or like uh, in Moana when they go to the monster land it's like everything's kind of neon and bright my comment on that that part was it was Pandora with squids and maggots yes and of course you get again about two three seconds of like oh this is kind of nice and then it's like close up of maggots and I'm like great thank you now they're slurping the maggots they're slurping the maggots and then of course they they go out of their way to make the the little things inside the terrarium they make little cute noises and they're kind of they're not disgusting like literally everything else in this movie is so you're kind of like oh i kind of like these and then immediately they get like eaten alive by some ugly spider thing where the walking pimples is like this is hilarious like giggling while this is happening, like cool. It's like that you. scene in uh, the Dark Crystal where they take that Muppet down yes. to the dungeon and suck its soul out through nope. its eyes. <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> Which, on that note, well, I'll come back to it later. But um, so yeah, I, I one of my favorite parts was what you're talking about, Jack. Was like when it got so colorful because it was so different from the look of the rest of the film. I mean, I appreciated a lot of like what he was doing with how impressive everything else looked. 
But it was just so different, and within the context of it, it wasn't just like, oh, we're breaking from it. It's like, oh, no, it's a terrarium within this world. Yeah. And so these are like, you know, bugs in this world kind of thing, and it looks different. There was another moment, like, right before the terrarium scene, I think, that I had to rewind because it just really struck me of how gorgeous it was. Mm -hmm. So it's when the plague doctor is carrying worm baby uh, through different lands, and at some point, it goes through some kind of, like, cave structure where there's, like, things are really sparkly. And I couldn't tell if it was supposed to be, like, there was, like, treasure or if it was just, like, these, like, structures that just were sparkling. But for one, I didn't know how they pulled that off, that look off in the stop motion. It just looks super cool. But then they come up to these two bulls who, uh, with red glowing eyes that are on the side of, like, a doorway. So it's very um, uh, never-ending story with the – I wrote that uh, down you too. Know, yeah, with, the you know, like the angels or whatever the hell those things were that would, like, you know, sphinxes. prevented uh, – Oh, sphinxes, yeah. Preventing Atreyu from getting through – um, so they had these bowls and just like the look of those and the animation of those. And maybe it was because everything we had seen prior to this point was non-human and non-animal that we're familiar with. It was always mm-hmm. just kind of a mishmash of things. And now we're seeing like, oh, I know what a bull is. And that's incredibly well done. Like yeah. it just it was similar to the terrarium. It was kind of a breath of fresh air of you were seeing the artistry at play but with something you're familiar with and you're like oh shit this is like incredibly well done and and it wasn't just oh they're bulls but like they had a mood and a character that they're yes. like are they evil <laughs> are they guardians are they both you you didn't quite know um but that sequence i liked a good deal agreed and i thought it was so different from the rest of the movie and if i take this movie very seriously and take all of my like disgustingness out of it and just like look at it as an art piece I think what really bothers me the most about this movie my biggest critique is that for most of it it is just kind of like one type of thing one type of visual which is you know gross I mean you granted you're getting kind of other stuff in there but it's like he kind of is there's just one line of it's it's nasty it's fleshy it's slimy uh, and there's variations on that theme, but it's kind of that the whole time. And you also are mostly red the whole time and then mostly blue. You get to this section, which is way late in the movie, and it does feel like a breath of fresh air because it's like, okay, something different. And kind of like you're mentioning, something to actually grab onto. Like, I recognize what this thing is. I know what this is. I know what these animals are. And I would like to see that mixed up some more. Mm-hmm. Like, so you're not just for 45 minutes straight. It's like, okay, gross, 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 gross. If you're Puppet. like kind of, fl- <laughs> um, if you're flipping back and forth a little bit, I think it would have made this a little bit better for me. But I did love that section. I wrote, "Now a sparkle room with giant oxen with red eyes." This section is like the labyrinth meets the never-ending story. I mistakenly relaxed for two seconds. Oh, cool! A gross thing crying for a mama. That's my poetry. I will not notes. rest until you remember that the name of that film is Labyrinth. It will come up on this show multiple times, and I will keep telling you. Instead of The Uh, Labyrinth? Yes. It came up on a previous episode. (laughs) The thing that kills that scene, too, is you're in this nice labyrinth. Yeah, it's cool. And then they bring the baby in, and they put the baby in a thing, and you can see the spikes above it. Yeah. And so, actually, I have a note that says, if this is for coffee, I'm going to be very angry. (laughs) Um, 
But yeah, it's like, I feel like the movie does that a lot where it puts something sort of foreboding, Mm -hmm. sometimes even in the background, and you're like, oh no. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one early on where the first assassin gets dropped off, and then you see the diving bell going back up behind him, Mm -hmm. and it's like, he's not coming back. Like, he knows that this is like a one-way ticket, you know? Yeah, that's real subtle that when they do that, like, I remember I'd almost forgotten about that part. All right. Anything else you want to throw out for, uh, you know, stunning visuals or anything else? All right. I'll put one out that I think isn't super noticeable. I probably wouldn't, it wouldn't have caught my eye if I hadn't read this little bit of trivia. Um, but, uh, so, uh, this was from like, uh, IMDb. According to Phil Tippett, lots of work on the film was done on Saturdays by students who wanted to get some filmmaking experience. Like I mentioned before, uh, the scene with the mountain of dead soldiers mm-hmm. was done by melting thousands of little army men together on wire, and it took six people three years to complete the scene. Oh, so there's what? like, so when when I, th- I think it's the second uh, assassin guy when he's driving through in a truck or a jeep, I think that he finds, we get like a couple, we get like a a wider shot and then a closer shot, but there's like these mounds behind him and he's driving over things mm-hmm. and i think you just like i was looking for it because i was like okay what, what's this army man scene if it took that long and you know like three years um so uh you can you can discern that there's like human forms in there if you're really looking but it's pretty darkly lit to the point where the film's probably doing itself a disservice that it wasn't super clear that like oh all these are fucking bodies Mm -hmm. because there's so much just kind of like garbage and junk in this world that there's a lot of like background stuff that looks cool but you your focus in the scene is going to be on the guy driving in the car so you're not necessarily going to notice it but uh yeah it's just a couple quick shots i mean it probably lasts all of like 20 seconds between the two of them and it took a long time to do all that that's crazy Uh, yeah I also say another IMDb thing that I uh, I found that I figured you would enjoy, Jack, was the film has no audible dialogue and it consists entirely of stop motion animation and puppet work. Although there are a few live action sequences where actors in puppet suits were used, and I just thought <laughs> yep. puppet suits was a new uh, nightmare for you. New horrifying scenario. Great. Can there are a couple parts of the movie that I feel like don't explain themselves and but kind of do make you feel like you're in a bigger world. Like mm-hmm. there was a, I wrote a couple things down that were like, they just never came back to it. Like when the second assassin comes in, he's got his briefcase and he looks in his binoculars and there's somebody in a building who also has a briefcase yes. and binoculars. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it just never, and I was like, Oh, is there like another one of these guys never comes back? You know, like it just kind of gives the idea that there's this kind of larger thing happening right outside the frame of the movie, yeah. uh, which I really like. Like I kind of thought that that stuff was, you know, not necessary, but like, cool. Like it was neat. I think, yeah. I mean, it does, it just makes it more, uh, I guess, nightmarish to think like, cause there's scenes where it's like, there's like regular citizens in this world like in the theater and then that, that kind of home alone esque sequence at the beginning. And you don't really ever see them if, or, or what they're doing. Or if, if all this other shit is like in service of that, where it's just kind of like, this is just like the ultra like desolate part of this world. And there's actually like civilization somewhere, but they don't really show any of that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, a couple other neat things to throw out there is that uh, I don't know if anyone caught the cameos in the film. So, um, no. like, there's a number yeah, of human earwax cameos? baby. <laughs> What's that? The earwax, earwax baby, baby, right? There was Meryl Streep. Yeah, he was right? big in the eighties. <laughs> I noticed yeah. um, he, he used uh, to do Miller Lite commercials. <laughs> in one of the scenes, I think early on, there's like a room full of like puppets, and they're all just like still. And I and one of them looked really familiar to me, and it was I, I think it, it looked like the creature from um, Ten Million Miles to Earth, which is a Harryhausen, which okay. makes sense. Uh, if... Was it the like, uh, um, is that like a lizard type? Yeah, creature? it's got like one remember. horn and I think a uh, single eye. Okay, okay. Um, so actually, you're you're almost on the mark. So okay. um, there are a number of cameos and probably ones that I didn't see it all and i because mad god has been circulating uh in the last like month um i'll talk about later it's on shutter but because it's more out there now um i think some people have seen it and i saw something get shared i think in like a blu-ray group i'm in that showed a a still frame shot where they were talking about some of the cameos that clued me in so i was like looking throughout the movie i would have caught a couple of them but i was like explicitly looking because of that so there's scenes when some of these characters are walking by stuff that there's stuff in the background. Or there's like statues and shit, like mm-hmm. just random like statues of things. There's a pig chef. Um, there is a pig chef that's probably from something. But the ones that I caught, so what Eric you're talking about, I don't think it's 10 million miles to earth. It's the Cyclops from Ray Harryhausen. It's one of the Sinbad movies. Okay. So that is Cyclops oh, with a single yeah. horn. Yes. He's there early on. And then he shows up again in a different room near the end. Um, and there's a grinning gargoyle in the same scene with that Cyclops that looks super familiar to me. It's from something. I don't know what it is. And then there's other ones that I think it's, I think it's a combination of like film references. And then I think some of them are like, just like famous statues and stuff that like, I probably just don't, I'm not cultured enough to know what the fuck they are. Um, but then later there's like a robot space where some of them are more discernible. So Robbie, the robot which mm-hmm. is a very famous yeah. uh, robot from um, Fantastic Planet. Pl- fa- uh, Fantastic Planet. Yeah. Forbidden Planet. Oh, Forbidden Fantastic Planet. Planet's okay. the animated one. Right? Anime, okay. Forbidden Planet, Robbie the Robot, but then they also would use him in shit years later. He pops up in Gremlins, for instance. Um, so he's just a famous 1950s-looking robot. So he's in there in the background. Ed 209, which Phil Tippett worked on for RoboCop. Uh, there's actually two of those. You can see uh, two Ed 209s in there. There's one that looked really close to a T-800. I'm not positive that that's what it is. He may have changed a little bit to maybe not get sued. I don't know, but it looked pretty <laughs> close to a T-800 laying in there. And then later when we're in the red light district with uh, the Minotaur, um, they pass by some stuff, and there's a statue of Vishnu. Um and Vishnu is in uh, Ray Harryhausen, one of his Sinbad movies. There's a Vishnu statue mm-hmm. that comes alive with swords that attacks Sinbad and shit. And I went and looked at like what, how that was modeled, and it's like it's dead on. So um, this is all I feel just Phil Tippett like giving acknowledgement specifically to Ray Harryhausen since he helped pioneer stop motion. But then, um, you know, Robbie the Robot and some of these other things, if, if it was a T-800, some of these other things are just kind of him, like, giving references to this, um, you know, major aspects of, like, sci-fi, fantasy, whatever. And then there's a part where they pass by a bunch of buildings, and I know you can see the Capitol, and you can see the White House, 
And there were a couple other buildings that were very distinct, but I didn't know what they were supposed to be. There was a bridge that was not Golden Gate, but I, my guess was it's probably some major New York bridge. I'm not sure. Um, and then uh, the other two that I thought was super interesting, near the end when everything resets, the obelisk from 2001. Mm-hmm. Okay crashes into the moon which is actually in 2001 they find the obelisk on the moon and that instigates the plot um and then we see more obelisks like fly at us at one point and in the 2001 universe there were multiple ones there was the one on earth one on the moon and one on um the moon of uh, jupiter i believe and then after it goes through this very trippy sequence and the world is like resetting or we're seeing the birth of a new universe, whatever, right after the obelisks like fly at the camera, um, we're back in maybe that like little pimply alchemist's room yeah. or something or something similar to it. And there's what I think is supposed to be a pickled punk. Does anyone know what that is? Mm-mm. So a pickled punk is an old uh, circus term. For when you would go to the freak show, they would have the freaks or whatever oh. and geeks, but they would have things in glass jars and pickled punks were fetuses in glass jars, often fake, mm-hmm. um, but in some cases potentially real. And so they would have like cow fetuses or whatever, but they would also have like deformed babies. Again, not necessarily always real, but I'm sure in some cases they were. Anyway, after the 2001 thing, we're back in that alchemist thing and we see a jar with like kind of an orangish liquid and then like a face comes up front. Oh yeah. I'm fucking positive that that's supposed to be the star child from 2001 because of the way the face looks and the star child is made to look like a fetus Hmm. and the star child was supposed to be kind of like this leap in human evolution. Hmm. So I think it's Phil Tippett kind of like playing around and like kind of merging these worlds of like, you know, 2001's all about mankind changing and, you know, advancing. And his movie's kind of all about this cycle of death and destruction. And, oh, here's what here's what the Star Child's going to end up as. It's just going to be it just in a glass jar in this guy's creepy Drained house. of its goo. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think it's supposed to be the Star Child. It looks really close. And it comes right after the obelisks. Um, well, those are my last uh, notes on any of that. So, uh, anything else to throw out there before we wrap up? I, I, before I realized, before you said that um, he had started this idea in the late 80s, at first, when I was watching the beginning, it really reminded me of the video game Doom. Okay. Because that's mm-hmm. like, literally what's happening is the guy's being lowered down into like hell, basically, to fight a bunch of crazy creatures. And like, I thought maybe that was like an influence, but... I think that movie came out like early, early nineties. So yeah, but he was ahead of the curve. He was, (laughs) it does have a video game quality to it. Yeah, definitely. It it actually, it reminds me, there was um, some claymation video games uh, called the neverhood that were popular kind of when FMV games were big in the nineties. It reminded me a lot of those. Hmm. Um, I wonder if some of these people worked on it. Cause yeah, it's very, very distinct, very wet. (laughs) Colin's review of the wettest movie you'll see all year. I mean, we're only halfway through the year, though. Like, it could get pretty wet. I just don't, I don't want to call it early. Like, 
the weddies is a big deal to me. I want to wait till the end of the year. We can we can do it then. Nicely done. Uh, okay. So uh, only other thing I'll throw out before we wrap up here is that uh, Mad God did win uh, the Audience Award at the 27th uh, Latrange Festival. Something French. Um, and, oh, that, that uh, tracks. Yeah, so uh, I, I with it's like it's spelled almost like strange. So my guess is it's like some kind of French mashup with strange, um, and it's probably focused on you know creepy, weird, you know movies like uh, Fantastic Fest, which I've mentioned on the show before. Um, and as I said, this uh, has been widely uh, critically uh, acclaimed. So uh, so so take that, Jack. I, I um. said at the beginning that it's obviously <laughs> technically amazing. It's just horrifying in every other aspect. All right. Uh, okay. So that uh, that leads us to um, would you recommend Mad God? Nope. All right. Fine. Because it depends on the person. It dep- always. There's so much depend. I hope personally that I never hear of, see, or think about this movie again. Um, well, you're going to have to share it, so there's that. Oh, no. I'm, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> but you are going to remind me because you're a great friend like that, so thanks in advance. Um, I mean, if you ever want a chance of outpacing Eric, I think you're going to have to share it. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Outright manipulation. That's fair. Um, it is your show. It's more of a threat, really. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I get, I get it. Like, I get that this is very, very well made for what it is, but I don't know very many people who would appreciate it that aren't already sitting here. Like, you guys are the people that I would recommend it to, and it's like, well, done. Check. Now I never have to tell anyone about it. Ever I think again. David would appreciate it. <laughs> I, let's see, sure. you've got it covered. Like anyone yeah. that I would possibly tell, you already know them and you'll take care of it. So, yeah. I think I would recommend it for the visuals especially. Um, if you can't take gross stuff, absolutely do not watch it. It's not borderline in any way. I kind of wish there was like a Delta Airlines version that I could show <laughs> to people that was like 40 minutes long and, you know, it's just very moody. Scrubbed of weird clay dongs, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, especially like, you know, if you're if you're into weird stuff or you want to see sort of the amazing fi- visuals, I think it's worth it. Yeah. Eric. Yeah, I, I would also recommend I think it is something that you need to experience um, whether or not you're specifically into animation or, or weird horror stuff. Um, yeah, outside of just like if I know that you don't like things like that i think it's just it's worth the time and it, yeah it can be a little frustrating but yeah it's just really fucking cool and out there and i think do you uh, think shannon would appreciate it because she does like horror oh definitely yeah yeah i mean she, i was gonna watch it with her last night because when i opened the file a couple of nights ago to watch it I got five minutes in. And I was like, "Oh, this seems really cool." We're, I'm gonna, and then we just didn't yeah. have time yesterday, so I had to watch without her. But I was, you know, definitely gonna say check this one out because it's uh, yeah, yeah. It makes me think a little bit of "Don't hug me, I'm scared." Like "Don't hug me, I'm scared." It's like the the mirror version of this. It's a, basically 
Don't Hug Me Young Seared has a narrative and has funny moments that kind of like balance out the like real disgusting moments. And I'm looking back fondly on Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared after watching this. Like, ah, I long for those days when I was horrified by that. I think the lack of dialogue makes it more stomachable somehow. Like, I actually think this is less gross than, like, Peter Jackson's Meet the Feebles, um, which is, like, gross Muppets, even though it's, like, way less, you know, meteoric in how far it's willing to go to commit to the bit. But, like, just not having people screaming at you mm. turns out makes it a little easier. Just monkey sounds this time. <laughs> and weird baby mumbling and <laughs> so much thundering. So uh, for myself, surprise, surprise, I uh, would recommend Mad God. <laughs> uh, as I said earlier, I had not seen this. I only knew basics about it. Um, often, not not all the time, but a, a good number of the times when I've done secret films, I'm going in blind with everyone else. And so this was one of those cases where I only knew like very minimal about it. Um, yeah, I, I think we've said this about maybe a couple other movies um, in the past. I, I, Eric, I know you've said this about something. You may have said this about Strings way back in the day, another movie that horrified Jack <laughs> real early on and focused on puppets. But I, I know, Eric, you've at least made this comment once of just like that it's unlike anything else you're going to see. And I think mm-hmm. if for no other reason, if you're into film, I mean, like like Jack and I will often joke of, you know, she'll say, like, I wouldn't recommend this to my dad. And I'll often yeah. say, like, yes, I wouldn't recommend this to my mom. But that's not what, like, this podcast is designed for. I mean, it's mm-hmm. more so for, like, hardcore film fans, because if, if we were just doing the popular hits this would be a very different show. So the whole thing is we're digging into more obscure, off-the-wall, you know, kind of stuff. So we assume that you've probably watched some odd things or that you are into horror and whatever. So uh, for our audience, um, for for the right kind of people, um, I would... Um, Uncanny I would recommend... Cinema is not for moms. That's <laughs> yes. the tagline. Uh, but no, I, I would recommend, like, yeah, because I think it's just going to be something... Um, very unusual it would be good to know going in what to expect so if you have listened to this or maybe if you watch a trailer um would i mean if you listen to this you already kind of know all the stuff but but um if you've skimmed this episode and arrived at the end uh yeah if you saw a trailer or something that might give you a sense of how weird and out there and potentially gross uh it could be for you um but yeah it's just giving you a visual um experience that you're not going to get i mean we're not likely to see another movie like this ever Mm -hmm. i mean like because i mean there are stop motion movies out there but think about it like the ones that exist and there aren't many they don't make them very often the ones that Mm -hmm. exist are geared at kids (laughs) and they can be great Coraline's great nightmare before christmas great some of them have dark elements in it and things but i can't think of another like stop motion movie that like tries to push things you know goes into dark territory like this goes into you know we're talking sexual things scatological things violent things like i don't know that i've seen this in stop motion before um and considering the latest wallace and gromit movie (laughs) (laughs) i'd also like to disagree that Coraline is for kids i feel like it's too scary for adults sometimes to watch All right. Well, fair enough. Um, We can have you back on the podcast and debate the merits of Coraline another time. Uh, No, I mean, you know, there's a family aspect, I think, to Coraline. Um, But all Gaiman stuff 
toes into some uh, dark <laughs> territory here yeah. and there. But I, I, I think that's a that's nothing compared to what we all just talked about. <laughs> I think the other mother is nothing compared to uh, you know baby juice. So, uh, but that's just me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so um, yeah, I just considering the time and expense it takes to do these things. And considering that Phil Tippett is like, I think, 70 years old and it's a, unfortunately kind of a dying art form once CGI came out. I mean, like you have Henry Selick who does, who did Nightmare and I think he still has a couple projects in the works, but he's getting up there too. There's not a lot of guys that like specialize in stop motion. And, um, but yeah, so I, I don't know how many projects like this you're going to see. It's incredibly intricate. It's incredibly detailed. Um, Jack said it's not beautiful like Midsummer, and in general, I agree it's, it's it's dark and disturbing. But I think there is a there is a beauty to a lot of it in the way that there is a beauty to some other types of horrific art. Um, you know, like Guernica can be beautiful even though it is horrific, or um, you know Saturn devouring his son. Mm. Um, so it's like, I mean, depends on your definition of beauty. If if you know, if it's just like a work affecting you and and that kind of stuff, but. Anyway, long story short, I would recommend it for our uh, out there hardcore fans who can handle it. Um, and I mentioned the Dark Crystal with the Muppet getting the soul sucked out. I actually think if you're a big fan of the Dark Crystal, you might get into this. Because the Dark Crystal, Absolutely. both the movie and the series, goes into some dark places. Not as bad as this, but uh, but you might be a fan. If you're a fan of the, that darker Jim Henson flavor. Uh, okay. So that wraps us up for Mad God. Uh, can I find this last little bit here? It is available on AMC Plus. It is on Shutter and it is on Spectrum On Demand. There is no DVD or Blu-ray currently. There were some Blu-rays that were released when they were doing the Kickstarter. So there was just like certain segments that they were funding and they were like giving out Blu-rays of just like kind of the short 20 minute segments or whatever. So those are floating out there. You could find something on eBay or whatever. Uh, I did go on the official website to see if there was any kind of Blu-ray for it planned, and they mentioned that those are out of print um, and to, like, kind of keep watching the website for, like, announcements for, like, future Blu-ray. So they kind of implied that they plan to release it on video at some point, which it should be. I would consider owning it. Um, because it is really out there and interesting. Um, Jack's eyes bugged out of her skull at that <laughs> comment. Um, but uh, but yeah, so uh, keep uh, keep your eyes peeled for this possibly coming to Blu-ray in the future. But if not, watch one of those streaming services. Uh, Shutter is great. Going into Halloween, all kinds of stuff on there worth watching every year. So um, that might be your way to do it. Uh, all right, and then wrapping up here, the last thing. We will be back. Um, I believe Eric and Jack will be joining us with a couple other people. We are going to be looking at a very bizarre film. I have not seen it. Eric jumped the gun and already watched it. Um, but uh, my understanding is it's just as terrible as it appeared to me when I decided <laughs> to put it on the show. We're going to look at Love on a Leash. So uh, no further details to give right at this time, but we will dig into that one next, um, and that's that's what's coming up. And then just for any regular listeners, we'll have like one other movie, I think, and then we're right into Halloween territory. So that's uh, right on uh, the verge here. 
So uh, thank you all for uh, being on the show, and thank you, Colin, for appearing for your first time here. Yeah, and so uh, join us next time for Love on a Leash. See you then.